0: We must learn to fight well for ourselves first. Then we can confidently support and cheer on our loved ones in the best ways. Hello and welcome back, friends. So glad you're here today. You're going to be so glad you're here today. I am so thrilled. We have the neatest programs here for women and young women at Life Changing Services. If you're not aware of them, the one that is for young women, I believe ages 13 to 18, is Daughters of Light. And it's a therapeutic-led group that is so wonderful and powerful. I have a daughter who actually participated in Daughters of Light. But today I'm here with Taylor, who is participating in the Warrior Women of Light program. And it's our program that's for women ages 18 and older. And there are so many awesome things about the Warrior Women of Light program and the Daughters of Light program. And I'm excited for you to hear from Taylor, but before we get started, I just want to give you an idea of, yeah, she's in this light blue room. That's just so clean and cute. And she is so beautiful. She's got brown hair and she's got purple ends on her hair that just totally highlight her beautiful purple glasses. So I just want you to know that's kind of what we look like. And I actually we've been working on scheduling this appointment together. And I look like I haven't gotten ready for the day because I totally forgot we were doing this. And she was like, hello. I think you were supposed to send me the link this morning, and I was like, oh, it's New Year's Eve, like, day, and I'm sitting here doing all these projects, and I lost myself. So I'm just so grateful for her patience. I'm excited for you to get to know her, and I hope that you'll not just be interested in her story, but that her story will move you enough to take some action. To share this podcast with people that you care about. And also to, yeah, just be inspired by her story of courage and her willingness to be a voice that is so much part of just the cause of Christ. Whenever we use our voice to tell our story, it just really helps everybody. So Taylor, hello. Hi. So, so happy to be with you. Will you just tell everybody a little bit about you so that we can think, oh, that's cool. She's kind of like me or she's, that's fun. This is what she likes to do. This is what her family's like. Just anything that you'd love to share that would help us get to know you better. Yeah,
1: I'm the oldest child of two younger sisters. I'm the oldest kid in my house and a family of all girls except my dad, and I'm sure Pete just loves being the only man in the house. I work as an educator at an aquarium. So I am the person that takes snakes to schools and teaches kids about different things depending on what grade that they're in. So if you have memories of a random snake man appearing at your school, (laughs) When you were a kid, that's that's what I do. I make those memories for other kids.
0: That is so good. A random snake man appearing at your school. Yeah. I have memories of that.
1: Yes, that's me. I'm the <laughs> with the random snake man. I'm the random snake woman. When I'm not working, I, I really like to create things. I like to draw. I... Like writing, writing's definitely my strong suit. I like to write a lot. I also recently, like in the last couple of years or so got into candle making of all things. So I make, yeah, I make, I make candles for fun. Someday get into gear to actually like sell some candles. But right now I'm just like, I'm gonna make a candle cause it looks neat. And then I'm me, my candles because I don't make enough to like actively sell them.
0: That's so cool. I. I'm just thinking, do you have one in front of you? I just want to see it. So, I, I don't have any right in front of me. Okay. Okay. I, <gasps> yeah. I'm like, I want to see a candle made. Okay. You'll I see mean, me. made have one later, later.
1: Yeah. I have made, I have like a spherical mold and I've made candles that look like Pokeballs before from the game Pokemon. So, I told I'd you say, that. that's, say that's my magnum opus. It's just making Pokeballs get <laughs> a
0: it's excellent. So good. And what do you love to write?
1: I really like to write fiction. I have over 50 different book drafts going. None of them are complete. <laughs> They're all just like ideas on a page. Someday I hope to complete a book and get it published and do all that, but I have to finish a book first <laughs> to do that. So oh. maybe someday that'll be a, that'll be a new year's resolution to actually finish a draft that I have. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I actually, I have a son that does that too. And he's got several things, you know, and he's always thinking, ah, I need people to talk to you about stuff so we can like, you know, so maybe I'm going to hook you guys up so you guys can be like, I don't know, tell me about your story. Yeah,
1: talking it out definitely helps. I like, I just talk to people about my books and then that helps me realize that I have like huge plot points missing. And I'm like, oh shoot, I need to fix that.
0: <laughs> yeah so cool well that's neat that's neat to know about you i will be thinking about that because that's one of my favorite things to do is connect people you know to say hey you match over there you should maybe be stronger together with this story thing so cool yeah. it's awesome and so how old are you 20 i'm t-
1: i'm 22 22 okay I turned 22 earlier this month so happy late birthday me
0: (laughs) yeah so good and we talked before our you know podcast You told me a little bit about her aquarium job so Taylor I just think it's so neat to notice how you became an educator at an aquarium because I was like what I've been to that aquarium it's a cool aquarium so if you're listening from a different (laughs) state than Utah. We have this very cool aquarium here in Utah. What town is it in in Utah? It's in Draper. Draper. And yeah, it's just neat. And it's by this really weird. What is that thing by you? It name is Ego. And I
1: don't remember what that stands for, but everyone just calls it the claw. Okay. And that's what it looks like. It's just this big giant alien claw thing. Yeah. Uh, It used to belong to the band U2. It was their stage from when they went on tour. And then they gave it to us. And so we set it up like this centerpiece to our outdoor expansion. So got a big alien spaceship out there.
0: Yeah. So it actually belongs to the aquarium. Yeah. Okay. I'm just so happy to know. I mean, how many questions have I had about that as I've driven down the freeway? (laughs) Think, why is that there? So... Well, that's neat to know. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, yeah, Do you have to tell that story. Like, how old were you when you started working at the aquarium? Yeah,
1: I was 18. So I'd just gotten out of high school and my parents let me be a freeloader. Let me just float for the summer. And then they're like, okay, you need a job or you're going to start paying rent. And I was like, I don't want to do that. So... <laughs> I went out and started getting job interviews and one week. In one week, I had three job interviews. I had one at like a drink shop. I had one in like a sewing store. And then I had one at the aquarium. And the aquarium said that they'd get back to me. The sewing store like offered me the job immediately. But I was like, can we wait? Because I wanted to work at the aquarium. So I was like, can you give me some time to see if this other thing goes through? And the aquarium took... Longer than the deadline I gave the sewing store to tell me whether or not I got the job. So it was a lot of prayer. It was a lot of faith, but I was like, okay, I'm gonna turn down the job at the sewing store and I'm gonna just hope this aquarium thing works out. And lo and behold, it did. <laughs> I got on on the guest services team. So I was selling tickets and cleaning the building and things like that. And I was on that team for about two months. And then what I really wanted to do was be an educator on the floor. So I wanted to be walking around the exhibits and talking to people about the animals in there. But I thought you needed a college degree for that, which I didn't have one at the time. Still don't have one right now. I'm working towards it. We'll get there. But I signed up to be a volunteer on the education team. And the volunteer process, you had to do an interview as well. And so in the interview, I'm getting interviewed by one of the supervisors on the education team I wanted to be on. And he's like, where are you trying to be a volunteer? Why don't you just apply to the team? And I was like, I can do that. And so I applied to the team and I got on and I was on that team for almost three years. And then I was in the penguin exhibit of all places. And I was helping like keep track of how many fish the penguins were eating. And this random idea rained down upon rained down upon me that said I should apply for the school programs team. And I was like, you know what? I should. And I did. And that's the team that I'm on. And I've been on that team since June. And I do think it was a good change for me to make because now I have weekends off on public programs on the on the floor. I had to work all Saturdays and like one Sunday a month. I don't have to work any Sundays now. So that's really great. Yeah. And I feel like it was the right step for me to take. I work with amazing, wonderful people. I've made so many friends and I'm really happy with where I'm at. So there's been a lot of, God's has definitely been in my aquarium journey over the past couple of years.
0: Oh, that is so awesome. And doesn't that just infuse, infuse a person with just more confidence when you think I really like these people I'm working with. I really like this place I'm working at. And for them to be so supportive supportive. and notice notice how cool you are. So good. That's so neat. I love that for you, too. So good. And so you touch snakes. Yes. Yeah. And when you first got to the aquarium, were you afraid of snakes?
1: Nope.
0: No. No.
1: My parents were never afraid of snakes. so. I am not saying that every person that's afraid of snakes had it like instilled on them by their parents, but yeah. that wasn't something I was raised with.
0: Yeah. But so I always thought snakes are pretty cool. Snakes are my favorite thing to handle in the aquarium. So. That's incredible. Well, just so you know, side note, I'm not afraid of snakes either. Well, I guess I would be if I was all by myself and there was a snake and I was like, oh, it's me or you, snake. That would scare me. But I, yeah, in college, I actually... Helped a guy that was a, you know, reptile educator, I guess you would call him. And he, he and I were in the same major, And he actually gave me a little job to go around and be his snake assistant. Yeah. Yeah. So we, anyway, they are just so much more interesting and cool than people think. Like just the mere fact that I always thought snakes were slimy.
1: Yep, and they're not
0: (laughs) right. You know, they're so cool. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. So tell me another thing I thought that was kind of cool. And I wish you guys could see the picture of this, but yeah, I said, Would this be a weird question for a podcast before we started the recording? And I just said, Now that you have all this experience and are educating people about things at the aquarium, have you noticed any crossovers like when I? work with these animals and now I have all this information and knowledge about stuff and I'm I'm at the level where I'm educating people have you noticed anything that is a crossover like doing this job and watching animals do what they do or learn about them has taught me so much about myself or about people yeah, I think you can learn a lot about animals
1: by just sitting and watching them. I think that can also like really help build empathy. My favorite animal—I didn't know it was my favorite animal until I started working at the aquarium. I actually, I hated them at first, but I brutal love them. Is a fish called the Pacific Spiny Lump Sucker. I know it's a bit of a weird name.
0: Look, they are. I said, "Oh, Taylor, you have to say that slower." Next, slower. Yes, Pacific. Spiny lump sucker. <laughs> this
1: the fish that is about the size of a golf ball and they have tiny little fins and they have big eyes and they are covered in these little, like little spikes. And they have no swim bladder, which a swim bladder is what makes it so a fish doesn't sink, right? And so they don't have a swim bladder. So if they stop swimming, then they'll just sink. And so Instead of, I don't know, evolving a swim bladder, they have a suction cup on their stomach, hence the name lump sucker that lets them stick to things. And I think that I'm very similar to a lump sucker in a way where I need to keep moving until I can get to a rest point. Like if I stop before I get to a point where I can rest, then I'm going to sink, then I'm going to fall. And I feel like I relate to them a lot in that way. And I think animals, I. Well, obviously, I think everyone has their favorite animal and they relate to that favorite animal in a way. And there's so much we can learn about animals and how they interact with each other. Like, like vampire bats. I know a lot of people are grossed out by vampire bats. And that's okay. But vampire bats are like one of the most social types of bat, And they, they need like a certain amount of blood to survive the night. And if they don't get that amount, then they won't survive. And since they have such like a tight-knit community... Bats will give each other like blood from their stomach to feed them so that they can survive the night and they'll stay together in groups. And I just I don't know. I think it's amazing.
0: (laughs) I had no idea that bats did that for each other. Yeah. I didn't even know bats needed blood to survive the night. Yeah, vampire bats do. Other bats just eat bugs
1: and fish and stuff, but
0: vampire bats. Hence the name. Vampire bat. Wow. Wow. So good. Okay, I am so glad you've told us a lot about you and let us see just who you are because listeners, I just want you to notice something amazing. I hope that as you've met Taylor, you've also noticed that she's a cool girl. Like, I just would like to hang out with her, be her friend. I'd love to meet her at her work and say, can I watch you for a day? Like, she's just a neat person with a lot of interests. Very amazing. Very powerful, just like you. But something else that came up before we started the recording is that hey, mortality gets messy. And the miracles of mortality are in our messes. And so I just want you to consider that if you also have amazing things going on with you, things you love to do, things you're good at, just celebrating. That your worth is locked in. Like we don't even have to ask ourselves, who am I anyway? I need to get my identity intact. It's already been decided. Your identity is intact. And so just us believing that we're awesome, even if we have a mess. So I'm excited for you to hear about Taylor's story and to think, you know what? this could be my sister. It's okay that I am the sister. It's totally cool because my miracles are right in the mess. So Taylor, you, what brought you to Warrior Women of Light?
1: Yeah. So I was struggling with a pornography addiction since eighth grade. And I had been trying to fight this thing on my own and just do it on my own. I would ask for the Lord's help and I'd be do okay for a while sometimes, but then I would just fall back into the same old habits again and again and over and over again. Yeah. And I had been working with my bishop in my ward and he was wonderful, Leanne. I absolutely love that guy, but it just wasn't. I don't know, it just did not seem to work. And then he'd been bishop for a while. So he got released and we got a new bishop called. And I remember being in sacrament meeting the day that he was called. And I was like, okay, well, I need to go tell this new bishop my secret. (laughs) Look, I need to go talk to this new bishop immediately. So I think it was the same day. I think it was the same day he was like sustained that I was like, hey, can I talk to you after church? And he's like, yeah, sure. And well, not exactly like that. But I went to his office afterwards and I spilled my guts for a lack of a better term about how I'd been struggling with this thing for so many years and how I didn't like the way it made me feel and how it felt awful and terrible. And it took him a lot of convincing to get me to want to do it program, to want to do it was called Daughters of Light when I joined, and then it moved to Warrior Women of Light. It took him A lot of convincing to get me to do it. (laughs) You know, I was like, I don't, I don't want to talk to the other people about this. I was like, I feel ashamed. I feel bad. I don't want people to know. And I don't know. I don't know what flipped the switch, but I filled out the paperwork and I did my, my intake interview with my therapist, which she knows this. I did not like her to start off. I was like, this is not going to go well. (laughs) I absolutely love her now though, but at the beginning I was like, but I got in and I remember being in my first meeting and there was, I'm not going to say her name, but there was this amazing woman in my group that she, so we like shared our, what day we were on for our T-goal and she was in, I think she was just under a year at that point. And I was like, what? And I remember being in awe at this woman and the point at where she was at and then Satan is a jerk and he like was immediately like you're never going to get to that point you're never going to be there you're never going to get there and it took me a long time to get a hold of like the power points and the light points in the program and I think what what got me to get into kind of high gear a bit was the sisterhood necklace. I wanted that. So I got all my charms. The char the chain broke, so I don't wear it anymore until I get a new one. But I don't know. It just it helps me having like a physical thing to work towards. Just to wanting to get that, wanting to get like a physical reminder of the things that I've done and the achievements that I've made. But it took a lot of work for me to get into the program and it took me I joined in like late 2019. Like yeah, November twenty nineteen and then like a couple months later, like the anniversary of my sobriety, I guess, is May 5th, 2020. So it's been over a year, almost two years, and it's just wild to look back at where I was and see how I got to this point. It was not an easy ride, (laughs)
0: really. Ah, so much courage and tenacity right? To get there. Yeah. A lot of uh, getting up and trying some more, getting up and trying some more, sitting down for this long, you know, then get up. Like, oh, there's just a lot of that. Okay. You have such an awesome story. I'm going to ask you a little bit about some of the things you said. Okay. I think if I were a listener out there, I think, you know what, what did she mean when she said that? And so anyway, i wrote down some, some notes while you were talking and I just wondered, like, how did you fall into this trap of pornography? Like, how did you just fall into it? Because most children, it's a fall. You just fall into it. It's not like, oh, totally. I just am going to go buy that at the store. Right. It was an app that I
1: had on my phone that was like supposed to be for like, memes and jokes and stuff like that. And I don't think I should have had that app on my phone as an eighth grader because well, that's what got me into this was there was also pornography on there. And I remember like seeing it for the first time and watching it. Like it was like they weren't full videos on the thing. Like they were very short. But I remember watching it and being intrigued and then coming back. to parents weren't going to be coming into my room. And doing that sort of thing. And it definitely was a fall. Like, it wasn't on purpose. But I remember being curious, and that curiosity spiraled and grew out of my control. And it got to a point where I couldn't stop.
0: So that's so helpful to know, you know, because we none of us start out with a plan to fall into a mess, right? Yeah. But... Yeah. It's really interesting to know, you know, just the science behind behavior, right? Why people get in patterns or habits and that just the adversary knowing that curiosity is a thing at your age, right? And the enticement of it all. Yeah. And then that the science behind just getting in that looping pattern that thing that we go to whenever we're bored or lonely or lazy or you know just any of those things so good Right. so what did your parents ever find out yeah oh my goodness <laughs> yes
1: i remember realizing i think i was in ninth grade I don't remember exactly how old I was, but I remember realizing that this was not a good thing that I was doing. And I don't know what led me to that. It was probably the spirit, something I heard in church
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or at school. I don't know. But I was like, this is not good. I need to get out of this. And my parents' room, had they have like a walk-in closet. And that was where I went to pray for guidance and I was like I don't know what to do and I remember my mom walking in on me as I'm praying and crying in her closet in the dark <laughs> and she's like oh I'll 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 leave <laughs> like I'll go I'll leave, I'll leave you to it and I remember not wanting to tell my parents and I think it was like a Sunday I was still in my Sunday clothes like this is after in the closet like a couple days later and i went to my dad in his room and i was crying in his arms as i told him what was happening and how i didn't like it and that i had a problem and i remember my dad saying are you sure <laughs> i was like yeah i'm pretty sure and i was Miami's maid's president at the time back when it was called my so i was there I don't know what it's called now. And we set up like an interview with my bishop. And I remember being terrified that I was going to lose my calling because I liked my calling. I didn't end up losing it. I got to keep it. And my parents have been there. I have not trusted in them maybe as much as I should have, but they've been there this whole time. And obviously it wasn't all hunky-dory after that first meeting with my bishop when I was really young like it continued for a while and my the my second bishop I guess so not the first one the the other one that got called
0: yeah
1: he lent me the like dragons we could fight book yeah to read and he's like this helped me learn a lot and he's like and you should read it and I remember I was on my college campus out of middle school out of high school college and I was reading it and it mentioned needing an accountability partner and this was before I was in the program And so I texted my mom and I was like, do you want to be my accountability partner for this? And it didn't last long because, I don't know, I have a hard time talking with my parents. They're absolutely wonderful, amazing people. I wish I had trusted in them more. And I wish that I can trust more in them now. It's something that still persists because, you know, I was put in this family for a reason. I was chosen specifically to go in this family. I wasn't in heaven and Heavenly Father spun a wheel. And was like, oh, you're with those guys over there. Like, there's a reason that I'm with this family. And I might not have taken advantage of like like, the resources I had when I was younger. But I'm trying to be better with it as an adult. (laughs) Talking with my family more. Talking with my parents more about the things I struggle with. They've grown a lot. I've grown a lot. but. Like they were there through this whole journey. They're so proud of me for where I'm at now. Cause they know that I'm almost like 600 days. So on my table, like they know, and I know that they're proud of me, even though we don't really talk about it outside of closed doors. Like my sisters don't know. It's just me and my parents and the Bishop and, you know, select, select friends and people like that. But I know that they love me and they support me and they're proud of me. And If any of you out there are angsty teenagers, (laughs) like I was, know that they might not understand 100%, but they want to try. And I wish I'd been willing to let them try a little bit more instead of shutting them out entirely.
0: That's so awesome. Yeah, just coming from a parent's perspective, parents care so deeply about a hurting child. Like they just care so deeply about that. And so, yeah, that's another thing I would add to what you said when you said, hey, you angsty teenagers, if you're that girl, you know, or that guy. Yeah, it's parents might not approach it in the most ideal way, but it's a guarantee that they want to try because they just really care about a hurting child and sometimes we're having the thoughts like that you're hurting doesn't really come to mind but that you're bad or that you're there's something wrong with you those kinds of things right so you have this picture in your mind did you have this picture in your mind taylor or you felt like well if they find out Like, what did you expect them to do? Did you, how did you expect them to perceive it, perceive you? I think I was really worried about
1: them being disappointed in me. Yeah. They wanted to expect better of me. At that age, I was, I can admit, I was not in like the best place, not only with this, but also just like mentally with other things. And I fought a lot with my parents. We did not get along very well. And I was was worried it would get worse or that they would, like, take things away from me, that they would, like, restrict, which I know that had, if I had told, like, I don't know, if they had restricted, like, my internet access or whatever, that that would have been to help me. But at the time, that was how I talked to my friends. How I I was on social media a lot, but, like, that was how I experienced the world and things, and I was really worried that would get taken away even if it would have been the best for me, had it been. (laughs) Maybe, maybe not. But, like, I don't know. I was worried they'd be disappointed and angry and upset and that things would go terribly.
0: Yeah. And you know what? That is something to consider. Like, yeah. Depending on the child and the circumstance, right? There's something to consider there about, I have a hurting child. And they're hurting because of this. And because I'm afraid and I don't want them to hurt. And I feel a lot of shame because maybe I bought them that phone. Maybe I, you know, so I created this problem for them. It's my fault. So there's a lot of shame in that and parenting too. And so we have a lot of guilt and fear that if this gets worse, it's on me. Right? Parents feel like that. And so they're probably thinking a lot less about their child and a lot more about what could I have done different and how can I fix this quickly now? And those are a lot of emotions that are real but kind of need to be tamed because there's this journey going on with a child who's gaining a lot of who they are and their identity about themselves and the world around them. And for heaven's sakes, parents, like your parents were ambushed like me with technology, internet, this over crazy. And then they have children who are born into the technology age and it's part of their life, literally. And so there are some things to be navigated and considered there. And you bring up a point that I bet is so much more prevalent than we as parents would even imagine that I know I'm doing something I don't want to be doing, but I don't want to lose these things. I don't want to lose my life, like these people that are my friends or whatever. I'm connected to them through this. So to maybe learn how to counsel together. And come up with a plan together that can still maintain this level of security and friendship with people that you love, and just restrict things on a device that might be that might have been a a a good approach for you, right?
1: Yeah, I think that would have been a good approach for me. My parents did eventually
0: get things to do. That. <laughs> yeah. So good. Thanks for sharing that. One of the things you say is a T goal. Can you tell us what a T goal is? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. So in Warrior Women of Light, there are two types of goals that you do. You have your power goals and your light goals. So your power goal it's PWR, it's pray, write, and read. So praying daily, writing in your journal and reading. You have the scriptures or the words of the prophets. And so if you do all of those things in a day, you get three out of three points. And then like point, your, your L goal those LGT. So L is like taking time to meditate. So the way that I do it is I have like a coloring book with some mandalas in it. And I color and I listen to gospel music. And that's what I do. I sit, listen, and I just give some time to think and let the spirit speak to me. The G goal is G's for growth. So that's the goal you kind of set for yourself. Mine is to just take at least 30 minutes out of my day to unplug and do something I enjoy, which is usually just reading a book. And then your T goal is like what you are working towards, which for me, it was being like not watching pornography anymore and so your t goal that's what that refers to and that counts in days is what your t goal does mm-hmm. and so and 600 something days <laughs> i haven't calculated them but it's been so a while
0: yeah so t stands for like therapeutic
1: yeah okay. don't remember like
0: yeah pretty sure it's therapeutic so good all right and so when you say you're 600 days, are you saying you're 600 days with that T-goal? Are you saying you're 600 days with all six of those things you just mentioned? So with my T-goal, 600 days, to be honest, <laughs> I
1: am not as spiritually inclined as I once was while on this journey. There were times where I was getting six out of six points every single day. Yeah. And I'm not at that point in my life right now. I'm trying to get back to it. I. Don't remember when I fell off the bandwagon of daily scripture study, but I want to get back onto it. And I feel like I self sabotage a lot because I read the scriptures before I go to bed. And then I go to bed really late at night and I'm like, I am tired. (laughs) I want to go to bed instead of reading the scriptures. But that is a place I'm working to get back towards. It's a place where I want to be, where I'm back in the habit of daily scripture study and writing in my journal and praying daily. But right now, I'm getting back to it. It's a journey. (laughs) That's so
0: cool. And you know what? I I just want to thank you for saying it like that. You know, you could easily just say, oh yeah, I'm just doing awesome. And I'm doing, you know, because you're on this platform doing this podcast, something, again, this imposter syndrome, you know, like I'm just, I shouldn't be. I don't have anything to say because I'm not checking every box. I'm not being perfect, right? But isn't it incredible just noticing that's something I think so neat to notice about you is that your identity and your worth as a person, as well as your acknowledgement of where you're at, you know, doesn't just take you from this place where you're like, yeah, I'm, I have to be clear up here at the nth degree before I can share my story. I think working and striving to
1: get like the six out of six points every day definitely helped me to get where I am right now. And I'm not saying that since I'm where I am, I can just plateau and stop caring. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I think that It definitely helped me out for sure, and there are other problems in my life that aren't my tedium or the things that I dealt with in the past. That I think that those would also continue to help me with, which is why I'm trying to get back to it. Because it's not like I beat this one trial; I am done. (laughs) There are lots of lots of trials and other things we have to to deal with throughout the course of our time here on Earth.
0: Yeah, so good. And, you know, I just am a firm believer that we never arrive. We'll be trying and trying and trying, and there'll be plenty of things to be trying about because messes are real, right? Mortality is real, and we're here to participate in it. And we participate, like, truly, with our sleeves rolled up and our gum boots on. Like, it gets messy. Yeah. And so for us to just think, I'm going to get there. Uh I'm going to be working on stuff. Until I'm safely dead. You know, that's just how that works. So I just love, I love your authenticity. It's very generous and kind of you to just highlight that yes, we are growing and we're getting, and we're messy too, and we're growing and we're messy too, and we're growing and we're messy too. But yeah. Our Savior has so much to do with that. My grace is sufficient. Just keep being messy and go toward growth, you know? You know, the desires of our heart, so good. So what, I love that you said you were the my maid president. I love that you said you, that you worked with two bishops. And I love that your bishop was so wise. I just love that, okay. That you noticed. I just love that you said I'm the my made president. And I like that your uh bishop understood that principle in the doctrine of Christ, which is repent and come unto me. It's gonna be messy, you're gonna be messy, and we're gonna grow, and we're gonna be messy and grow. Right? I love that. That he was like, Hey, so how did you have the courage or the set- like, yeah to just go to your bishop and what did you notice that your bishop did right because that's something I've noticed as I've been in the bishop training meetings that we do with bishops one of the things bishops are struggling with is how to comfortably talk to young women to comfortably talk to women about pornography and these issues right because it's like we're used to like that young men or men struggle with this, but it's not the first thing that comes to our mind when we think of women and young women, right? So yeah, just can you share it all, anything that you noticed? Yeah, I mean, like
1: all bishops are absolutely wonderful. And it was just good to go into this place where there was no judgment and there was just help. And it takes a lot of courage to say, I need help with this thing. I can't handle it on my own anymore. Yeah. And I think both of my bishops recognize that. And they're both absolutely wonderful, amazing men. And my the second bishop, he I, I'm not trying to like compare them to one another, but I think, well, I know that he was definitely called of God at that time and place, not just for me, but also for our ward and everybody else, and he is so bright. And through all these meetings, where I'm telling you that I'm struggling, and he's like, "Have you filled out the paperwork for this thing yet?" And I'm like, "No, I don't want to." He always reminded me of my worth, and like every every meeting we have, every meeting that we have. He ends it with God knows and loves you. And I don't know, He just so right. And I think that when you're in a time where you're feeling so dark and Satan has dragged you down and is telling you that you're dirty and disgusting and terrible and the scum of the earth because you have this problem that he caused, he's jerk and I hate him. It's good to remind that that's not from God. God is not the one that is telling you to hide and to hide this and be ashamed. He's the one that wants you to go to the light and wants you to come back to Him. He's the one that wants to help you out. And I think that that's a very important thing that's definitely helped me out with my bishop is just reminding me that I'm still loved, told by Him, by my family, by Heavenly Father, despite what I'm struggling with and what I'm going through, is that I still have my eternal value. I still have my divine nature. I'm still worth something. I'm still worth the same amount. Not to something. I'm worth the same amount to Heavenly Father.
0: Oh, that's incredible to point out. Cause yeah, we think when we make mistakes, something about us has left us or we've lost some of our worth. I love that you pointed that out. You have the exact same value, no matter how far down in a hole you fell so good so something you mentioned was the uh, just you mentioned the sisterhood necklace and having a goal to work for toward i just know when my daughter was in daughters of light she got a bracelet with charms Mm -hmm. and are you saying the necklace has all the same charms yes yeah okay so I could have chosen
1: a bracelet for a necklace and I went with a necklace. Yes. So it all the same charms,
0: just a different medium of single reading. Yeah. So, and the charms are just so cool. I just remember the, what they, what they were. So, so neat. Yeah. Neat, meaningful things. I remember one of them being a flashlight. I don't know why I remember that one.
1: Yeah. There is a flashlight. There is a, you get one that's the color of your birthstone, which I need December, so it was blue. You get a wing and then you get the, a key and that's the key to your kingdom for when you graduate.
0: Yes. So tell us a little bit about that kingdom thing. Because you you girls have the coolest story that you go off of over there. It is so good.
1: So, I love it. We have, so in your Daughters of Light, Worry Woman of Light journal that's how you record your points that's where you write about things there are also the mandalas in there so you color like those ones while you have the journal but once you're finished with it you can just get your own coloring book which is what i did so there's a story in the beginning i'm trying to remember it's been a while since i read it but there's a princess in her kingdom and her father goes off he leaves and the king he leaves and he leaves This kingdom for her to watch over. And she goes and she cries in the garden for a while. And then she pulls herself up and puts on her armor and goes to defend her kingdom. And that's a very (laughs) short version but I remember. And so we use that story, that kind of analogy, to talk about how we take care of ourselves in this kind of a spiritual way. On our journey, because we refer to like our armor, like what helps to protect us from the adversary. We have our what we call our border patrol, and that's how you notice when things are starting to shift in your mind, when Satan's starting to kind of plant those seeds in there. You have your weapons, that's how you actively fight back against Satan. And we also use like, how's your kingdom doing? Like, if you had. A rough day or if you uh didn't reach your t goal for that day so it's like well my kingdom it's kind of it got kind of beat up but then it's immediately followed with and how are you going to fix it and i love that i love that it's never what's wrong it's always like okay what happened and what are we going to do moving forward it's not just you screwed up it's let's let's fix it let's move on let's see what we could do better for next time mm-hmm.
0: and it gives you a language too like you know i don't know so are you just gonna cry in the garden yeah are you gonna crack in the garden or are you gonna down your arbor and your weapon he said don't fight it's excellent i love it i love it so what about the sisterhood in warrior women of light what have you noticed about that just uh, interacting with other gals and you guys working together on stuff oh yeah they are absolutely amazing <laughs> i have not gone to my
1: group in a while i will admit it's been a bit but every time i go i just leave with a smile on my face because these women are all so amazing like i remember like i like i said when i got in my first group and there was that one woman that did Graduated and she beaten it, and I was like, "Holy crap, that's that's a lot of days." I mean, she's still doing wonderfully. Everyone in that group is just so amazing. It's so nice to go to a place where you're all dealing with the same thing, and there's no shade and there's no judgment about it. There's just so much love there. It's really hard to describe. It's just you're all there for each other. You all have each other's backs, and you're all working towards the same thing it's not a competition I think that's might have been how I felt for a little while where I had people that joined around the same time as me and they were doing better than me like I remember someone joining and they like like I remember having my goal be like zero or just one for a lot of weeks when I would report my point and this person just like right off the bat was just doing great and I think well not a I know a lot of things. So I know that that's what faith wants is he wants it to be a spirit of competition. He wants you to fight against each other. And the thing is, is the race isn't against each other. The race is against Satan. it's against the adversary. And I don't know if people have had the same thought that I have of being disappointed in myself for not being at the same point as other people, but we're all on our own journey. And my Bishop, i cannot understate how amazing this man is. He's described it this way as our journey is not a ladder. We are not climbing a ladder. And then if we hit a wall, if we don't meet our T goal, if we relapse into old behaviors, we don't fall off the ladder and start from the bottom. We're on a path. And sometimes we veer off of the path and we need to find our way back to it. And you like, don't need to climb back up to where you once were because each Lost battle you have, or each day you don't need your Teagle, or each rough day you have builds strength for the next time. Because I don't think I would have succeeded to, and well, keep saying things. I know that I wouldn't be where I'm at right now if I didn't have a ton of failures. Because I've grown a lot. I've learned a lot about myself a lot about satan a lot about my heavenly father and that helped me like all those lost battle did they stop yet yeah. did they get me to where i am right now because they helped me to learn and grow
0: yes wow i love it well um <gasps> do you guys in warrior women of light answer the question why are you fighting and why don't you just give up
1: yeah we do we have not like Every session? Maybe they do it now, it's been a while. (laughs) Yeah. But we have questions that we ask a number of different ones, like the one with like how's your kingdom doing and what can you do to fix it and things like that. And one of those questions is why are you fighting and why don't you just give up? And for me, it's right now, it's because I came too dang far to let Satan do his Gross disgusting magic. (laughs) Not magic, but he doesn't, Satan does not have a right to my thought or to my body or to my actions. The person that's in control of those things is me. And I don't want anybody else to, whether it's Satan or you know, someone else, I don't want anybody else to have control over me the way that I let him have for so long. Because I am my own person. I am a daughter of my Heavenly Father, and I want to do what I can to make my Heavenly Father proud and also to get back to him. And I'm not going to let Satan ruin that. And I fight for myself, that's myself in a way, and also for my future. I do want to get married and have kids someday in the future. And I think that if I was still in the bad dark place that i was that that would be a lot harder yeah it'd be harder for me to focus on something outside of myself but i fight for me i fight for my future my future family i fight for other people that are also fighting so that they can see that it can be done because i honestly thought it was impossible because i had been in But think of it for seven years. And I was like, there's no way, no way that I'm going to be able, this is going to plague
0: me for the rest of my life. And it makes me kind of laugh to look back at that now. That's so good. Oh, it's incredible to have that testimony of people who've gone before you on very similar journeys. Yeah, I love the reasons why you fight and why you don't give up. They're so awesome. So you said you learned a lot about just... Heavenly Father, tell us something you learned about them, about Heavenly Godhead. Yeah, what did you learn about them?
1: I learned that they're always there. And are there? have there been times in my journey, times in my life where I have lost the presence of the Holy Ghost? Yes. But they never stopped loving me. And I could feel that when I went to group. I could feel that when I said like, yeah, I had a lost battle this week and the people in my group were so encouraging about like, what am I going to change? What am I going to do next time? I could feel the love of my heavenly father through the people in my group and also going to church. I could feel the love of my heavenly father through the people in my ward and also just sitting in the chapel and just listening to the speakers or during the sacrament. They're always there. They always have been they're not going to leave and they're always they're always there for us and i know that some people are probably like yeah (laughs) like you know some people are like yeah i already knew that but i feel like it took i needed to learn that for race out was that i'm never alone even if maybe sometimes it feels like i am or maybe that i deserve to be alone but i always have my heavenly father and Jesus Christ by my side and they're always cheering me on and they always want me to succeed and to do great Mm.
0: yeah it's amazing how when we lose battles we automatically go to this place of yeah I deserve to be by myself you know and so it's incredible how just building a relationship with them and I love that you highlighted that, that there's a lot of the things that you work on are connected to protecting yourself with you know the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ with those things so good. Ah, Taylor, I just think this has been so wonderful to to meet you, to have you share your story. if you were to leave a message to other Bishops, parents, but especially other women or young women. Cause a woman might be listening to this, who's much older than you, who's struggled, maybe from eighth grade. Right? So thank you for being courageous and to just say I I'm going to use the power of my voice and the spirit God gave me to Shine light in that dark corner of stay hidden, right? I just love
1: you for that. I would say that you are loved. And I know it can be, there are times where it's hard and things might all be going wrong when you're in a dark place and you feel alone. And it can be hard to remember that you are loved. And you are not alone, even if there's no one around you, even if you're praying in a dark closet, (laughs) that at the very least, Heavenly Father, well, not the very least, but Heavenly Father and Jesus are always there for you. And it's, I feel like it's a very important thing to remember that no matter how many times you slip up and fall, no matter how many times you wander off the path, Christ is always there. With his arms outstretched, he wants you to come back. He wants to help. He wants to pull you out of that ditch that you fell into. He wants you in his arms, no matter how dirty and roughed up you got along the way. He wants you back with him. He wants you back with Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father wants you back. And you are so, so loved. And even if maybe your testimony isn't as strong as you wish it was, or maybe you haven't felt the Holy Ghost in a while, or maybe I'm been to church in a while, it's still there. It'll always be there, forever and always, because you are Heavenly Father's child. And if you're a parent, I am not a parent, but I can imagine that how much love you have for your children, and imagine that, but on a godly scale, on a godly level, it's, I don't think we could really comprehend that with our, with our fragile Lord old body, right? But there is so much love and light and happiness and joy. And there are so many good things in the world that it can be really easy for us to focus on the bad things and the sad things and the things that make us upset and the things that go wrong. But try to remember that there's so much good in the world too. There's so many good things to happen, even if it's just, it just snowed outside here. Maybe you really like snow and it's think it's so pretty that there's snow outside or that someone smiled at you today or I don't know, something there's so much good out there and it can be hard to remember when you're in a dark place and you feel alone, that there's good and there's love and there's light and there's happiness and it's all available to you just because you're having a rough time and. You might not be doing things that are necessarily conducive to Heavenly Father's plan or things that you're ashamed of or you feel guilty about. There's, it's always there. It's always, you're always able to access that. And there's a piece of advice that my therapist and group gave me. And there was a point where I follow a lot of like artists on social media And sometimes they don't draw the most heavenly things. Mm -hmm. And it got to the point where she asked me whether or not I want to she's like, what do you want to do more? Do you want to support these artists or do you want to be sober? And I think that with anything that like that, anything that has you keep falling into the same old traps, I think that's something you need to ask yourself is, is is this more important to me than being sober and getting back to heavenly father and being happy and all these things. It's like the, the people that, the anti-Nephi-Lehi's that buried their weapons of war, they buried them deep in there. They didn't kick a little dirt on them and say, maybe I'll come back for it later when I need it. They buried it deep in the earth so that there wouldn't be any temptation and they wouldn't be able to reach it without A lot of effort and a lot of having time to think about it if they were going to go back and dig up those weapons. Not just, I think this life can be about sacrifices and those sacrifices can be really hard. There are hard things that happen in life and happen in this world. And I think that it's all going to be made right in the next life. Hard, hard, bad things happen, but there is an eternity of light and happiness and joy that's waiting for us. And we can access some of that right now, not all of it, but we can still access some of that on earth and just get a taste of what eternity is going to be like if we just keep pushing and keep trying and striving to go in the right direction, even if it's just one little step a day, just keep moving and keep trying it, don't give up no matter how hard it gets. Cause eventually you're going to find rest in the arms of Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, and you're going to make it, you're going to crest that mountain and you're going to succeed, even if it takes a whole lifetime, or maybe it just takes a long time, we're going to get there and we're going to be okay. Even if it might feel like the world is falling apart around you, especially right now, <laughs> the world is kind of a mess, but it's. I look, it to be okay. We just need to keep trying and just remember how loved we are. Just remember where we came from and that we're trying to get back to that. We're trying to get back to our Heavenly Father, to Jesus Christ, and back into their arms, being able to constantly feel their love. It's always there, but sometimes we don't notice it.
0: Peter, you are a beautiful angel. Thank you. Thank you so much. We're so grateful. Yeah, I just invite you if you're thinking, well, how do I find this program, Warrior Women of Light, Daughters of Light? If you're listening, you can go to lifechangingservices.org and on the homepage, you'll just scroll down until you see. Oh, look at that. There's something called Warrior Women of Light right there. Daughters of Light right there. Yeah. Thanks, everybody, for being here. But Taylor, bless you. Thank you so much for, I feel like I have the coolest opportunity. I feel like all day today, I'm just going to be able to do whatever I want because I'm on cloud nine being with you. Thank you for being with us today, Warrior Moms. I invite you to make a donation at the top of our website, mothersyouknow.org. Any amount you can afford today will help us keep Mothers Who Know services free for all moms. Thank you so much for your generosity. Moms, remember your divine identity and great worth. Continue in your courageous efforts to support God's great work. Notice the miracles you see every day, the evidence of the Savior's love and mercy. Find the message in your message. Reach out and share the principles you learn in Mothers Who Know with other mothers. You are God's secret weapon for good in this world. Finally, a few pieces of information for you. I recommend a few other podcast channels to listen to. Like Dragons Do They Fight podcast, that includes interviews and stories with those that have struggled and overcome something in their life. And the Eternal Warriors podcast, hosted by two YSA age young men who share their story, teach valuable lessons, and interview special guests. You can follow us on our social media pages on Facebook under mothersyouknow.lcs, or search for Mothers You Know, and on Instagram, username at mothers underscore who know. Last, if you would like additional support and training, please go to mompowertraining.com to sign up for the next eight-week mompower training class for all moms. You can also go to the Mothers Who you Know website at MothersWhoKnow.org or our parent company, Life Changing Services, at LifeChangingServices.org to learn more about our excellent services to support you and your loved ones. Thank you so much for listening today. Please feel free to email me anytime with questions or to set up a complimentary 30-minute appointment to visit. Please email me at know at LifeChangingServices.org. Looking forward to hearing from you amazing moms. See you next time.